Good morning. It's funny because uh, my wife went out of town for the week last week and the, during this whole last week. And I thought, man, this is not a good week to preach because it takes preparation and study. And, and uh, it's been the opposite. It's been exactly what I need to hear. And it's funny because today we're talking about making disciples. Um, New City kind of have a vision statement. It says, we are spirit-led family gospel communities who make disciples of Jesus for God's glory. And Kenny and Vince have already kind of talked and preached and taught about the spirit-led family of gospel communities part, right? Kind of the identity of who we are and, uh, and the week that we get to talk about who make disciples of Jesus. I get to be that guy today. And uh, when I think about disciple makers, the thing that kind of stands out to me is these awesome, amazing men and women of God who pour their lives into other people and just shepherd them and care for them and, and, and raise them up and teach them, right? And I think, why am I talking about this? Because this week has been a total reminder that I'm not any of that. I'm not a very good disciple maker. I'd rather be by myself, do my own thing. I'd rather not get into the messiness of anyone else's life. Anybody with me on this? Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for the opportunity to to share what's on, what you've put on my heart about making disciples. Um, thank you that it's coming from a place of total weakness because this week has gone by and I felt completely inadequate and lacking. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. It's the beauty of disciple making is that it's not in my strength it's in yours. It's not in my work, but it's in the finished work of Christ. So I pray that we would just remember that as we talk today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you turn with me to Matthew 28, it's like one of the greatest passages for disciple making ever, right? 28, uh, verse 19 and 20. It says, go therefore, sorry, I didn't give you much time to look it up. Well, it's up there, too. For those of you who like to actually look it up, turn the pages. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's pretty incredible, this passage. We could unpack it. For three or four weeks straight and still not really get into the depth of it. But the thing that starts off right away is the therefore. I know I had an English teacher who said, if there's a therefore, what is it there for? Right? Well, therefore, it kind of says, because something else, therefore. Because something else happened, then this. And the therefore here points to Jesus points to his life, his ministry. 
It points to his sacrifice, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. It says, because of all that, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I'm commanding you to do. For those of you Sunday school people in the room, what is this passage known as? The Great Commission, right? It's amazing. It's it's this great commission. It's a co-mission. Oftentimes I think of this as the great mission that I'm having to do. You guys with me? Anybody feel that way? This is the great mission that I have to do. But it's not. It's a great co-mission. It's a mission that we get to be part of. That someone else is already leading. The verbs in here, make, disciples. Make is, is basically the definition of make is to form together by putting parts or combining substances together. It's, a, it's kind of a, a cool invitation. We get to, we're invited into the recreation of Jesus, right? He died and rose again, and, and he's come to, to recreate, to make right, to, to restore. And we're getting invited into that creative piece. And disciple means one who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself or herself to the teaching of that person or that way of life. And the words here, go, therefore, and make disciples. The word in the, in the Greek actually means go, therefore, and be a disciple. The literal translation is go, therefore, and be a disciple to all nations. So how do we how do we fulfill this great commission? What are we supposed to do? Well, my hope today is that you would be encouraged by the call that Jesus gives us in this passage, that you would be encouraged and lifted up. Not overwhelmed by this mission impossible, right? So in order to be encouraged, I think it's just pertinent that we take a look at the guy who was the greatest disciple maker. And I'll give you one guess who that is. Anyone? Mike? Good job, Mike. Sunday school answer right there. (laughs) So we're going to take a look at the life and ministry of Jesus. But before we do, there's there's three things that I kind of, that jump out at me. There's probably many more, but about disciple-making, about this call to go and make disciples, there's three things. Disciple-makers are in close relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Disciple-makers live life with others. And disciple-makers live out their mission in the context or in the rhythms of everyday life. Those three things, that's what we're going to look at today. We see all through the New Testament, Jesus, even from the very start of his ministry, he gets away and he gets time with his father. And very frequently throughout scripture, we see him. He says he 
he left, he went away to a, to a solemn place or to a, a place of solitude to pray and to listen to his father. His dependency on his father, on the spirit, is critical to his mission. So I think today as we talk about what it looks like to be a disciple maker, to make disciples, the first thing I think that's so critical is the question I want to ask is how often do we get away to be with dad? Now I'm really good at this. Every day for like two hours. I'm, yeah, right. How many, how many of you are, are like me? Between being a father, running a business, another business, renovating a property, being a husband, all this stuff that life has to kind of muddle up my life, muddle me up. It, it's, I'm finding that, man, I'm really not very good at this first bit, right? How often do we get to spend time with dad? Just one-on-one. Disciple makers live life with other people. Jesus spent pretty darn near every day, other than when he was spending time with just his dad, with the people, with the men that he invited into his life. It's kind of weird because he had this, this real close inner circle of, of, of people that he lived life with, his disciples. It's an interesting term. And then he, he invited all kinds of other people into his life. But he lived every day with these people. He lived his life. He invited them into what he was doing. He shared meals. He taught them. He rebuked them. He corrected them. He showed them how to live a kingdom-centered life. I mean, time and again, John chapter 2 Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding feast. Life lived with others. He, he hung out with Nicodemus for hours and hours, right, talking to him. He met with a Samaritan social outcast, a woman. I mean, he healed Simon's mother-in-law. He caught fish for his disciples. He, he healed a paralytic. He, he raised a widow's son from the dead. He healed a centurion's son. As a, as a chief disciple maker, we get a beautiful picture of Jesus living life with other people. And it goes on and on. These are just a few. And it's funny because it's in living life with people that you actually get to make them and then they get to make you. How many of you are, are changed by a one-time meeting? How often is that? How frequent is that? That you're changed by a one-time meeting with someone versus how many of you are changed by relationship with someone? I had a, I have a friend of mine who was in college with, and uh, I lived with five different guys, so all five of us are really close, right? 
And I lived with these guys for three years. And these guys are like, just, they're just brokenhearted, Jesus-loving men. I got to live with these guys for three years. And I'm really close with them, but the guy that I shared a room with, his name's Jason. He had a bunk above mine. We have bunk beds in college, right? He was above me. And I remember nearly every night sitting, laying down on my bed and talking into the darkness with Jason and him talking to me. And we just shared everything. We shared life together. He made me a disciple, and I made him a disciple by the power of the Holy Spirit. Disciple makers live life with other people. They spend time with other people. And not just the close people. You know, it's funny because Jesus had 12 disciples. But he's the creator of the earth and all creation and the universe, right? I think I might just start with one or two. The other thing about living life with people is the, the people that Jesus... Um, People whose lives Jesus touched were pretty much everyday people with everyday needs. From simple friendships and conversation to social injustice, disease and death, Jesus met their needs where they were in life, in their everyday life. He makes himself available to people. Disciple makers make themselves available to people. How many of you, on a daily basis, do you spill? Okay. How many of you notice that someone out of your ordinary plans says, hey man, you have some change? Can you give me a, can you buy me a sandwich? I'm hungry. Uh, I mean, you name it. How many times have you driven by someone with a flat tire? Or insert whatever in the blank. Jesus somehow seemed to just say, oh, yeah, no problem. Interruption after interruption after interruption. He's a, he makes himself available to people. And we can see this, this pattern in his life. These people are broken. They're poor and they're sick. They're sick physically and emotionally. They're crippled. They're demon-possessed. They're dead. And he doesn't turn them away, does he? No matter how inconvenient is it, it is. I know for me, I'm, I'm so stinking busy. I don't have time. I, I just don't have time, right? How many of you are like me? What would it look like if we, if we lived life with people like Jesus did? If we looked at his life and said, you know what? It's like the song that Kenny and them sang this morning. At the cross, uh, it's sweetly broken at the cross. Um, you beckoned me. Bring me gently to my knees, but I'm sweetly broken. It's crazy, but what an amazing picture of inconvenience 
There's no better picture than the inconvenience of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Interrupting his life to, to come and live in the flesh. To sacrifice himself. And we don't have time to talk to a guy who needs a couple dollars change or a sandwich or something. You know, We don't have time to stop and, and help someone who has a flat tire. I'll be late to work. How many of you, if you're late to work tomorrow, would be fired? Maybe if you didn't call and say, hey, I'm running late. But how many of you, if you called and said, hey, Kenny, Kenny's my boss. Uh, look, man, there's a, a lady on the side of the road. She has a flat tire. I'm just going to stop and help her. I'm going to be late. I'll work extra late to make up for it. How many of you would get fired? You know what? It's even worse for me. I own a company, and I'm the boss. I don't even have hours. And I'll be late to work because I don't want to be inconvenient. Are we willing to be interrupted? Jesus communicated his mission through the normal rhythms of everyday life. Disciple makers live out their mission in the rhythms of everyday life. We can see it. We, we kind of borrow some language from our friends at Soma story being story formed. We're formed by a story. Jesus probed into the stories of the people's lives around him. And he listened to them. And then what did he do? He realigned them, right? He said, yeah, that's your story, but here's, here's how your story uh, intersects with the story that matters. Right? He realigned the stories. Do we listen to people? Are we hearing the stories of the people around us? And listening so that we can say, hey, you know what? That might be how you think your story is. But put it together with dad's story. It's going to blow you away. It's going to change everything. And that's another rhythm we like to, uh, or that pretty much everybody does, is celebrate, right? Did Jesus celebrate? Yeah, he did, right? He celebrated. He made water into wine. That's the life of the party, right? He celebrated with the culture of the day, the Jewish culture then. But he, not just, he didn't just celebrate. He pointed them to the why of their celebrations, didn't he? Every celebration can point back to what? Every celebration we have, no matter what it is, I mean, there's some pagan celebrations that, that, that actually can be turned and point back to Christ. Jesus did that. He pointed back to the why of every celebration, which was himself, which was his coming in the flesh. We celebrate everything, huh? What are some, what, what are some of the things we celebrate? Birthdays, yeah. Births. We're a new creation, right? Birthdays. Yeah. What's the birthday we celebrate every year mostly as a culture? The biggest birthday. Even though in times recent, 
We haven't been able to call it that, but Xmas. Very good, Kenny. The birthday of our Savior. It's a good one. Babies. New birth. What else? Weddings. Yeah, it's hard to think of a better picture of our Lord and Savior than a wedding feast, right? Weird how the Bible kind of even points to it and says this, a wedding is a picture of the great wedding that is to come. What else? Say that. Graduation. Oh, graduation, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Graduation. We celebrate stupid things. We celebrate Arbor Day, planting trees. Are we looking at celebrations as a rhythm and saying, I didn't do it, and saying, how does this celebration point to Jesus? How does it point to the goodness of our dad, our father who loves us? Another rhythm that we see in our culture is the rhythm of of blessing others. Jesus kind of trumps everybody in that blessing category, doesn't he? I mean, when you go and raise someone from the dead, that's a pretty big deal. But, but even that blessing was a symbol, right? It was a symbol of his coming in the flesh, dying a death that we deserved, raising up so that Spiritually, we've been, we've been raised from the dead, right? Remember the promise that God made to Abraham? The one about blessing? What was that one? I will bless you so that you can bless others. You'll be a blessing to all nations, right? Jesus displays God's heart to bless people. God wants to bless people. I have three daughters. There's nothing more than what I, nothing more, I want nothing more than to bless them. I want what's best for them. I want to bless them. I want to protect them. I want what's good and right and perfect for them. How much more does our Father in Heaven want that for us? Jesus live that life. When we bless others, we show the world a small picture, a small glimpse of our dad in heaven. Are we taking time to do that as disciple makers, to bless others regularly? Another thing we like to do is we like to eat. It's a normal rhythm, right? How many of you eat about three meals a day? About seven days a week. Hannah, what's that? How many meals is that? Three times seven. 21. Good job. Math. 21 meals we have opportunity. 21 opportunities a week to live life with other people and to share our Father's love with them. And it's not just other people like outside of our inner circle. It's our inner circle. On uh, last Friday, I think it was Friday, I got a phone 
a text message from my buddy Sean. He said, hey, I know you're sick. I know your wife's out of town. Oh, it was Sunday. It was Sunday because it was right after the gathering. I wasn't here last week. And my buddy Sean says, hey, Catherine and I are bringing over dinner, and then we're going to take the girls to the movie. Just give you a night to just rest and get well. I, I can't tell you how blessed I am from that. I can't tell you, I can't describe to you what that meant to me and how that is discipling my heart. I work each day. My wife's been gone. Brooke, Shane Bessie's wife, Brooke Bessie, she came over last week and said, hey, I'm going to stay with the girls while you go to work. I can't tell you how, how much of a blessing that was. And our girls were blessed. Not just me, but this, this rhythm of blessing each other. And people from the outside get to see that. I get to see, what are these crazy people doing? Why do they love each other like that? I want to be part of that. The other thing we do as a culture is we recreate. It's crazy because we think of recreation as like a volleyball league, soccer league, hiking, Mount Whitney, surfing. When I talk about recreation, it's the, 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 the rhythm of rest and work. It includes, rest includes, I think, our hobbies and the things we like to do, but the, the thing I'm talking about here is this rhythm of resting and working. And, and Jesus, being the author of creation, established this pattern, didn't he? This rhythm of resting and recreating. What, what, what does it say about resting in the Old, Old Testament, way in the beginning? Remember the Sabbath. It's holy. Keep it holy. Rest on the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is the first day of the week. So is it a rhythm? Are we in a rhythm of, man, I've worked all week. I need to rest. Or is it a rhythm of, I'm going to rest and be still before my week starts because I'm already settled in the finished work of Christ. Resting in his work before I go do my work or the work that he's put before me. Working as unto him. I'm not in control. He's already finished the job. Now I get to go be a teacher or a scientist or pharmaceutical rep or I get to flip burgers or whatever it is God routes your paycheck through. You get to do that after you rest and recognize that he's finished the work, right? Are we living that way? Are we displaying that amazing, awesome, freeing truth to the people around us? Especially in America, what are we all about? Production, work. I mean, we work more than most countries in the world, the average worker here. As people who believe in Jesus, are we living this rhythm out in a way that really says, you know what, my hope is in God. It's in my dad. It's in the work of the finished work of Christ. It 
So let's put it all together. We are a spirit-led family of gospel communities who make disciples of Jesus for God's glory. We engage our culture by knowing its story and how it fits into God's story. We eat meals together. We regularly celebrate and seek to be a blessing. We listen to God as he directs our daily rhythms, guiding our work and rest, all for the glory of Jesus, all for his glory. I gave you a couple examples of what it looks like just in my life recently. My wife is on a trip right now. Um, It's a very difficult trip. My college roommate married my wife's college roommate. She's an Austrian citizen, and he's an American. They moved to Austria, and they've been there for the last 15 years. About five years ago, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, Naturally, they began treatment got rid of it, so they you know, got rid of that piece of it, that portion, actually had surgery, chemotherapy. From then on, the doctors started looking you know, very closely. Well, she found some tumors in her liver. They found some tumors in her liver. After about four or five surgeries and more chemo, after about five years of treatment, the cancer's back, it's in her liver, it's in her lungs. Her body's broken down, it's dying, her liver's failing, and they made the decision not to do anymore. They're done. So Shannon and I were talking about just that, that hard truth, like her, her best friend and the wife of one of my best friends is probably going to die in the next three to four months. She's taken a trip out to just be with her friend. Her and her other roommate from college flew out to Austria. And as I think about this and how it applies to today's message, I'm reminded of Trevor and Heidi. As I watch, sorry. As I watch people suffer, As I watch people like Heidi and Trevor and all the family around them, and I watch my wife and my friend Jason and his wife Gabby, and and it's not just, it it hits home because it's it's happening to someone very close. As I watch them suffer, and I watch other people suffer with them, it just reminds me how beautiful Jesus is and what better picture of what better picture of discipleship is there than to to see the suffering and to see people rejoice and find joy and hope in 
that death physically has no sting. That someday Gabby's children get to see her again. That Trevor and Heidi get to see Mazelle again. And it, it, it kind of, for me, it answers the question. Like I, I think about go and make disciples for what? We live and we die. But no, Jesus, his whole ministry is saying it's not about this life. It's about eternity with our dad. It's about eternity. It's about res- restoring right relationship with the one who created you. And it, it hurts. It hurts. The suffering, the pain, the death, it definitely hurts. But it's temporary. And I think, probably more than anything, out of everything I've said today, I want you guys to capture the why of discipleship, not the how. The why of living these rhythms. The why of living life with people. Living life with people is going to suck. I promise you. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because people are going to hurt you. But it's going to hurt because people are going to get hurt and they're going to suffer. And that just hurts. It's not fun. Some lyrics to a song is one of my favorite songs by a guy named Don Chafford. He says, I hope we sit together when Jesus serves the wine so I can look into your eyes when I taste it the first time. We'll tip our glass to the host, but you still look so hazy. We're called to be makers of disciples with this eternal purpose. We're called to be makers of disciples because the restoration to relationship with our dad is a spiritual, eternal restoration. John 1 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus becoming flesh and going to the cross. In that act, God displays discipleship perfectly and most lovingly. As we close today, I want you to think about that. Think about God's display, his perfect display of discipleship 
as Jesus goes to the cross and dies for our sins, your sins. Think about all the other things, the way he lived his life, the people he lived with, how he lived it, how he lived out his mission on the, you know, in, in the rhythms and the context of his culture, all of that. Know that it's that it's the great co-mission. We already kind of covered the first first part of our whole vision statement. We are a spirit-led, spirit-led. The Holy Spirit is, is living, and if you call Jesus Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, and He's leading you. And I want to encourage you guys that. Discipleship is in the everyday, mundane, just silly task. I've had three daughters hanging out with all week. More than usual, because my wife is usually here. I've completely blown it on several occasions. But there have been moments where I just sit. I'm doing a puzzle with my littlest, youngest daughter today. Just getting to do a puzzle. I encourage her. Bless her. I'm picking my older daughter up from gymnastics, encouraging her. She's upset because the coach is really hard on her. And I get to say, hey, baby, do gymnastics for you. Have fun. Do your best. Your dad up in heaven and your dad right here loves watching you do gymnastics. So I want to encourage you to just Think about life and think about discipleship as, hey, this is the everyday, everything I do every day. I'm doing it with a gospel intentionality to, to show other people about my dad, who is amazing, who loves me, who sent his son to die for my sins so that I might be with him forever and ever. Let's pray and then we'll take communion together. Father, thank you that you've called us to be a family, a family that lives in community, and that you've called us to, to go and make disciples of Jesus. And I thank you because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection. Because of that, I get to be a disciple maker. thank you that you send your spirit to live in me and to help me that it's not by my power because I'm I'm not really good at it and I thank you that this call from you is made possible most beautifully at the cross as we take communion today we take the bread and remember the broken body of Christ and we take the drink the grape juice the wine and remember the, the blood that was poured out for our sins and we celebrate the best celebration that we've been saved that we've been restored to relation to right relationship with you Lord so I pray that we would just celebrate today and that you would help us to be disciple makers in everyday life in Jesus name we pray amen